Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, before practice got underway for the Italian Grand Prix, a one-paragraph press release from Porsche blew a hole in Formula One's grand plan for this raft of new engine names to join the sports. Porsche has officially called off its plans for a Formula One partnership with Red Bull just weeks after the deal looked all but signed. Now it's dead in the water. I'm joined today by Autosports F1 reporter Luke Smith to explain. So, uh, Luke, just tell us, what was the deal with Red Bull going to be? Were they buying into Red Bull Technologies or the engine part? Were they going to be a shareholder? I mean, who would have even been the boss? What's happened today? Yeah, as you said in the intro, it's a really big story for Formula One. It's something that we've uh, kind of expected to be something of a formality for a number of weeks. But the more things got delayed, the more uncertainty and doubt crept in. And now we're in this situation where, yeah, we know officially it is off. Red Bull and Porsche will not be working together from 2026. It was always a deal that was very different to a traditional team and engine manufacturer tie-up. Normally, an OEM will come in and say, right, we want to be an engine manufacturer. Here are our engines. We look after that. 
the race team looks after the racing side of it. We work together and it's that kind of partnership. But what Porsche was looking to do with Red Bull was very different. It was looking to take a 50% share in the team. It was going to make a very big step in and it wanted a presence in F1 that went beyond simply being an engine supplier. So there were, yeah, there were discussions. There were a couple of uh, leaks even in the in Morocco from uh, the business council or some body mm. over there talking about what the deal would have been and it showed us that yeah it was going to be a 50 50 share between red bull and porsche for red bull that would have been a big deal to give up or its independence it's had for close to 20 years now and ultimately that looks to have been what caused all of this to break down and we're in the situation now where after months and months of negotiations and talks it's it's dead in the water porsche and red bull will not be working together if we look at engine manufacturers over recent history in Formula One, Honda returned as an engine supplier to McLaren in 2015. Best finish that year, fifth. Ended the season ninth. And in Fernando Alonso's words, it was indeed a disaster. Well, after a move to the Red Bull teams in 2018, they withdrew officially at the end of 2021. Somewhat bizarre timing, leaving as champions. Now, do you think the Honda project, as it, the highs and the lows of it, either put off others from entering or even encouraged others to enter when they could see them start to win? I think it's it's an interesting one because I definitely think Honda, that shows the perils of investing millions and millions into a project and it not working and just how long it can take you to properly you sort of see the fruits of your labour and it can take a very, very long time. But I think that the way that the engine regulations are moving, particularly for 2026, things are getting a bit simpler, a bit cheaper. Uh, there's talk of uh, an engine cost cap and things like that. And it's becoming a bit more sustainable than it was back when Honda came in and basically sort of thought, right, we'll come in. We know what we're doing. We'll make it work. And and they simply didn't. I think that the approach now is quite different. I think that it's, it's easier to get things right with these engines. I think that we've had, uh, what, 10, 12 years, or well, by the time it gets 2026, of these uh, V6 power units. So I think that that's not so much a concern, but there was definitely question marks about a new entrant coming in. How much time would it take to catch up and things like that? What kind of concessions do they get? Are they a new entrant if they're working with Red Bull, who have their own uh, engines arm, as we know, Red Bull powertrains? But I think that that was all, I think that was all sort of small, small fry, really for this for Porsche I think that to them they were they were not so concerned about that it was more about how would the partnership with Red Bull actually work Red Bull is a, a team that wins a lot we know that we saw when things broke down with Renault uh, between sort of what 2014 and, and 2018 just how how much Red Bull wanted to be independent it didn't want to be tied to a partner that wasn't delivering a competitive power unit which is what Red Bull always uh, lamented through that period so it's um yeah it's definitely it's definitely something that I think shows how badly things can go wrong but I think in this case I think that wouldn't have been so dramatic for Porsche and it was more about how do we get things to work with Red Bull and the right partnership wasn't struck in the end. Yeah there's been some talk over the years and more recent months of new entrants into Formula One and then a bit like waiting for a bus to come at once so we get an announcement about VW Group's Audi and we get an announcement about VW Group's Porsche entering in 2026. But what do we know about the Audi deal coming in as an engine manufacturer or a bigger deal with Sauber team ownership? What's happening with the other side of VW? 
So as things stand, Audi is joining the grid in 2026 purely as a engine manufacturer. That announcement was made at Spa, so that is all 100% confirmed. Audi will be in F1 in 2026. As part of this, though, they are looking for a partner team, and they do want to go a little bit further than simply saying, look, here's our engine, and again, you do the racing side of it. So what is expected to happen is a deal with Sauber, which currently operates the Alfa Romeo team, that will start from 2026, and that will be Audi's work team. Audi, we understand, could take shares in the Sauber project as early as next year, and it's expected to slowly build up its ownership. And then come 2026, it will have a 75% ownership. And Sauber's current owner, Finn Rousing, will have uh, 25%. So that will work as Audi, as, as, as Audi's Formula One team, basically. But it's a little bit different to what Red Bull and Porsche have planned. It would be more weighted in Audi's favour. And also, you already have like this, this very strong operation at Hinwill, where Sauber are based, they know how to build a chassis and things like that. And it would be, uh, yeah, it would be that that would still be the chassis base. And then you would have Audi providing the engine from its Neuburg site in Germany. Those two sides would work together. But yeah, but Audi, as of 2026, we do expect to be a works team taking a majority share in the Sauber project. So it would have that ownership. So it wouldn't be so much of a 50 50, that would be uh, more weighted in Audi's favour. Building a Formula One engine is a tough thing to do anyway. And it's hard to do it right. Building two concurrently is an almost Herculean task. And that seems to be what VW Group kind of came towards Formula One with, with news of Porsche entering into a deal with Red Bull. And and of course, those that follow Formula One will know that since February last year, Formula One have uh, had Red Bull powertrains being built again under that Red Bull umbrella on the same site and employing many of the staff from the likes of Mercedes and Renault, building up that business of Red Bull making engines. And so I was a little bit confused as these stories and the rumours came out, Luke, about, well, are Red Bull going to build the engine and it's a Porsche badge? We've seen that in the 80s, tag engines as well. So Porsche have done that before. But also when Audi came out, they said, well, no, we're going to build an engine. It's important for us to be an engine manufacturer, to be known as Audi. They almost beat Porsche their VW bedfellows, to the punch, in a way. Uh, So were VW always talking about building two Formula One engines concurrently, or is that the difference between the two deals with Sauber and Red Bull? They do want two separate engine projects, despite it being two... Uh, manufacturers who are on the same grid and it doesn't it doesn't make sense in many ways and uh, as you rightly say and it's something that we put to Audi when they made the announcement we said basically why why would you guys not sort of share like uh, Intel and things like that and sort of share sort of cost-saving measures by only building one engine and one is badged as an Audi and one is badged as a Porsche and they said ultimately we want these to be two separate teams. We want it to be that we have our identity as Audi. We have this fan following and things like that. And people know that that is the Audi team. So there is that difference between the two of them. Uh, but there is, yeah, as you say, that Rebel powertrains project that's being built up and Red Bull has always said look we can be independent we can be self-sufficient we don't need an engine partner to work with from 2026 but if there is an interested party as Porsche was then we'd be happy to talk about possibly sort of working together and the, the sort of ins and outs of how, how that would work and it would it would be that yeah you'd have the engine sort of yeah built at Milton Keynes but the know-how as well coming from Germany as well and everything tying in together so it's uh, yeah it's an interesting way that's kind of forming together because because as you say, Red Bull have invested a lot into Red Bull powertrains. They've uh, brought on a lot of really well-known staff as well from teams such as Mercedes. 
and ultimately they want that to be an engine operation in its own right with or without a partner and i think they yeah they're waiting to see was there an interested partner partner who could come along at the right time it looked like it was going to be porsche but now it's not everything seems to have been resting on a final decision for the 2026 engine regulations which through things like covid pushed back and delayed in fact you mentioned it already red bull were almost without an engine supply deal in recent times so look it's understandable that formula one wanted a greater choice of manufacturers coming in to the sport now all sports teams want to win against the best but also they all want to win and if they can maybe delay somebody coming into the sport even by a few months It's a competitive advantage. And in Formula One, you have to reach a consensus at times as well. Some would say a little like herding cats. What have the other teams said about new engine manufacturers coming in? So they've always been very open to it publicly. They've said that we want more manufacturers coming in. That obviously strengthens Formula One to not just have this reliance on, say, three or four engine supplies. You want that pool to increase. And we've seen F1 have its big manufacturer boom in the mid-2000s and obviously then the big manufacturer exodus at the end of the 2000s so it does cut both ways mercedes and ferrari they were always quite clear that they weren't looking to delay the approval of the 2026 regs to gain a few more months and get some kind of advantage it was kind of indicated that they were that that would sort of by dragging their heels a little bit it would work in their favor by delaying maybe porsche and audi's plans a little bit particularly porsche and the link up with red bull but again i think that that has been part of this story but the moment the green light was given to the engine regs by the fia in august that then should have set off the dominoes for Red Bull to be able to announce with Porsche and for Audi to announce its plans as well. We saw Audi do that, but it's all this stuff behind the scenes between Red Bull and Porsche that has ultimately caused that to to fall down. So truthfully, I think that that was that was inevitable given that I think even if you'd had these regs approved months ago, I think Red Bull and Porsche would still have got to the point they have now where Porsche says we want 50% of the team and Red Bull says, hang on a minute, we're not up for that. What's your opinion? Do you think a new entrance can be successful in Formula One. Well, we've seen Honda eventually winning and breaking the Mercedes dominance. But look, existing manufacturers have decades of knowledge. They've got race data. They've got dyno data. You know, from your from your opinion, could a team come in and expect to to start winning in reasonable time? I think they can. I think it takes time to build up, as with all things in Formula One. But I think the way the engine rules are now, it's it's been simplified a little bit. We've got the removal of the MGUH, for example, from from 2026. And I think that you've got to remember these aren't just like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna set up an engine project and enter Formula One. This is Porsche, who have won Le Mans 19 times, one of the greatest manufacturers in automotive history, with a rich, rich history through motorsport. Who even as early as sort of like what 2017, 18, they were looking at an engine project when they pulled the plug on their LMP1 program. So I think that, yeah, they can be successful. I think these things do take time. I think Audi, for example, they've set they want to be competitive within three or four years of joining the F1 grid. And that's, I think that's a, an interesting time frame. It's maybe quite soon, it would seem like. But also, yeah, they're, they're funding a lot of money. They're putting a lot of money into this. They don't want to be waiting around. So I think that I think they can be successful, though. Yes, I think that it's not going to be one of those things where if Porsche do still enter F1, they're going to be waiting years and years to get any kind of success. I think it's going to be a bit of a different story to when Honda came in, purely because these engine regs have matured so much much there's so much more know-how and yeah i think the 
track record of companies such as Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Porsche does speak for itself. Right, so come on, you have your ear to the ground. What's really happened here? A week ago, we saw this statement from Red Bull and Honda about a week ago saying that they're going to extend their technical support program beyond the end of the the, the kind of Honda support, which was 2023. Honda Racing Corporation will support Red Bull, almost like a consultant to Red Bull powertrains until 2025, and then we get into the new engine regulations. But today it was the Porsche press release that was the one that announced it. Equally, Helmut Marco outspoken over the last week or so on this. So who really blinked first in this and why did the deal fall apart? It seems to ultimately have come down to Red Bull's reluctance to give up control and give up. I think I give up a lot. It would have been. You've got to remember that Red Bull, when they took over Jaguar in 2005, it was a, a team they very much viewed differently to everything else in Formula One. They wanted to be, uh, Christian Horner has called it a maverick brand, and it wants to be a little bit different, throw really cool parties, do cool stuff like send an F1 car up a, up a ski slope and things like that. And it's, it's that kind of thing that has really set Red Bull out. But they've also been a serial winning operation, that streak of titles between 2010 and 30 and look set for yeah the championship uh, championships again this year so they they've ultimately got the best of both worlds on that and i think that red bull i think the more that talks dragged on the more they realize just how much they would be giving up that ultimately you've got to yeah if you're if you're winning and things are going well to change that, I think you really do need to think very carefully. And I think that's where Red Bull got to. They thought, do we actually want to give Porsche not only, obviously, a, a share in our success? And that's fine. Like, we've seen that work with Red Bull and Honda. And Red Bull has been very clear about the input Honda has had. But I think with Porsche, yeah, it would have also been giving up 50% of the team. And I asked Christian Horner about this at, at Zamvor, uh last Sunday after the race. And again, they won again, a, a brilliant victory. And I said about the Porsche deal, is it dead in the water? And he said, look, Red Bull, ultimately, this is our greatest marketing asset is is this team. Like, this is what we pride ourselves on. And to have someone else's name above the door as well, it's a, that would be a really, really big thing for them to give up. And it's not only that, but it's also internally, it's a flexibility as well. It's that if Red Bull say things weren't working with, yeah, as we saw in the past, weren't working with Renault, for example, and they said, right, we want to get rid of Renault. That's it. We have to do that for the good of the team. If things between Red Bull and Porsche weren't working well, if Porsche wasn't making a good enough F1 engine, Red Bull can't just say, right, we'll go and find another engine because they're, they're, they're in bed together. So it's a, a much trickier situation it would have been. And I think that is ultimately what this came down to. The Red Bull kind of looked at the way things were and thought it would be too much for us to give up. We're winning. We're successful. We've got a, an engine uh, project in the pipeline. We've got interest from other manufacturers. We're hearing, like, for example, Honda. There's noises that they might look at 2026 as being a chance to come fully back into Formula One. And if Red Bull can ultimately get back to a situation where they've got this successful and strong engine operation with manufacturer support from an OEM but they still own 100% of the team then that is the perfect situation for them and uh, there's no reason to give that up 
Have we heard from Red Bull or Christian Horner today from Italy? Have they reacted yet? Yeah, so Christian Horner spoke to uh, our colleague at motorsport.com, uh, Adam Cooper, about everything that happened. And he said that ultimately it comes down to uh, a different DNA between the two brands. And I think that's something that we've got to remember in all of this. That I think the way that Porsche goes racing and the way that Red Bull go racing would be two very different ways of going racing. And I think it's, it's interesting that we do see a lot of corporate overreach from these manufacturers. And ultimately the greatest successes we see is when a manufacturer kind of says, right, here's the money, here's the badge, go out and win, like be successful. And that's kind of what's happened with Mercedes you've got to remember Mercedes is only a, what, a one-third shareholder in the Mercedes team because they ultimately they, they realised it's a great marketing tool for them it's a great way to sell cars but also they don't have to get involved in the day-to-day running and things like that and it is a success and I think that that is something that with Red Bull and Porsche it, would it have quite worked? I don't know I think it would have maybe seen some clashes down the line and to fit two very sort of awkward Lego pieces together, if, if I may use that um, <laughs> comparison, would have been a bit of an interesting situation. I think we were all fascinated to see how it would work. But I think in the end, they realised, look, this isn't going to fit. It's really interesting what you say about culture wars. And of course, Porsche being part of VW and ultimately a very big bureaucratic OEM owned by very big established family names unions get involved as well or the the works councils and so you compare that to Dietrich Mateschitz really it's him it's Helmut Marko the only two people really that can sack Christian Horner or maybe not renew his contract however you however you want to put it so two very different organizations coming together right final two questions for you then where does this leave Red Bull did Red Bull ever need Porsche or Porsche's engineering what do you think No, I don't think they did. I think that they have proven how successful they can be. I think the the idea was that they could have formed this kind of F1 super team, basically, where you take all the best bits of Red Bull and combine it with all the best bits of Porsche, all that history, all that great success at Le Mans and Heritage. And you make a kind of team that I, it was, it was, I mean, Christian Horner said it himself. I think he called it an eye-watering proposition when it was uh, suggested many months ago. And I agree with that. And I personally speaking, like Porsche is, it's my favorite car brand. I love Porsche cars. I think they're absolutely amazing. And the idea of Porsche being back in F1 with a team like Red Bull and being so successful, that was really, really, exciting but I think for Red Bull yeah they never really needed Porsche and I think it was sort of looking at what would it do for them would it help them maybe take a step towards being this kind of like super team moving forward and that it would set in a real period of Red Bull and Porsche dominance but ultimately I think Red Bull have kind of realized well we could do that ourselves or we could do that with somebody else without giving up 50% of the team without giving up sort of all of the the flexibility and the power and the efficiency that they've built their success on they've they've built that ability to to be nimble and react to things and uh, yeah I think they maybe would have lost that and that was the fear so for them I think that yeah they've clocked that ultimately they didn't have to give it up so what's the point and where does this leave Porsche now my mind is cast back to an auto car story from last November that said Audi has bought McLaren now we did report on the report now Autosport didn't say uh, this is done because we didn't hear those stories and this is not to rub auto cars fellow journalists uh, naming it by the way they obviously had good sources they went with that uh, big headline Audi has bought McLaren in a deal that gave the German manufacturer complete control over the whole group that was what they went with and clearly oops maybe their sources well definitely their sources were were wrong on that one like I say my point is not to point out a mistake of another publication but just to say when I read that I couldn't believe it but I'm like well that's a great publication maybe it's true where does this leave 
Porsche now? Could they perhaps start talks with a company like McLaren, who over the COVID times have had to take on investment, sell parts of their business and leasing properties and things? You know, money isn't exactly flowing out of the doors at McLaren. Could they do a deal like that, do you think? I think Porsche is definitely not giving up on Formula One. I think that it's important to say in all of this that this announcement does not mean Porsche will not be on the Formula One grid in 2026 and that was part of the statement Porsche said with the finalized rule changes the racing series nevertheless remains an attractive environment for Porsche which will continue to be monitored so clearly the door is not shut for Porsche to join the grid but there are question marks as to who it might tie up with I mean you look at okay we've got the works operations of Mercedes and Ferrari and Alpine they're all set with their engines Aston Martin has got a relationship with Mercedes Uh, you look at yeah McLaren I mean they've got their relationship with Mercedes as well I doubt that they would be open unless it's a really big offer for a company like Porsche to take an investment in the team because McLaren, they've, they've, yeah, they've explored that with Audi, even though that, I mean, that report was incorrect. And no, Audi did not buy McLaren. It was explored. It was talked about, but McLaren in the end went, nope, we don't need this. We're not going to do it. And I think it would be the same thing for Porsche unless Porsche could make a sort of, yeah, life-changing offer to McLaren and to change that team around. But I think that, now Porsche, they've got to look at their options and think about what what do they do? Do they look at a team like a like a Williams, for example? Might they say, look, we'll do a similar deal. It's 50-50 share and try and take Williams back to being a works operation. Or, and I mean, a team like Haas, for example, could that be of interest? Is it possible they might look at a, a new entrant, perhaps? If Michael Andretti, if he wants to get an F1 team on the grid were Porsche to work with him and they went together and went to F1, then that might be of interest to Formula One. So I think it's it's interesting. I think that it's important to say, yeah, the door is not shut for Porsche, but this was the most obvious place they were going to go with Red Bull. And now it's kind of leaving questions to say, well, what do we do? And I think that I don't know how much Porsche has been evaluating other options, but given how advanced things were with Red Bull, I would be surprised if they had been talking to other teams just in case things did fall through. So, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely, definitely see that next move from Porsche is going to be really, really interesting because they put a lot of work into this. I don't think they're going to be willing to give it up very easily and have done this all for nothing. But saying that, they've done that before. They did all that development work on a V6 hybrid engine after they canned the LMP1 program in 2017 and in the end went, nope, we're not going to do it. It could be a similar case here, but I think that they now need to look at their next steps. And if I were a team without a major partner right now, I would be on the phone to them right away saying, right, let's make this happen because I think they still would be a very attractive uh, option for any interested teams. And of course, Porsche with many other strings to their bow in terms of motorsport returning to Le Mans uh, with the LMDH prototypes next year. And so plenty of expertise in the company to call on and speed up that process. Awesome reporting today, Luke. You're not in Italy. uh, So thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. If people want to find out more, they can follow you at LukeSmithF1 on Twitter, of course, at Autosport and Autosport.com for all of the breaking news and events from the Italian Grand Prix this weekend. It'll be Matt Q, John Noble on your Saturday qualifying pod, and we'll be back on Sunday uh, for the race. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This review podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep your operation running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo, Maria in Miami, and Jules in Troy, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with high-quality supplies for every industry, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.